Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching in February 2024. Remember, the b2bincubator.com. Apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand journal roles, and content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategy that they created in it. Again, make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook. This week, Kevin and I are changing it up a little bit, listeners and viewers. We're actually going to show you how we conduct customer interviews and then how we take that information from the interviews to make our marketing and product better. It's something that I know a lot of people struggle with. It's something that I think a lot of people want more information on. And it actually, Kev, it fits really nicely into where we're at in season four of the B2B Playbook. Yeah, that's right. Be better. It's all about optimizing your B2B marketing workflow. And that's exactly what this is all about. We're showing you our workflow, how we uh, refine it, how we take insights from it and how we make our product better. So let's get into it. Now that we have regular marketers going through our program, the B2B incubator, we schedule a 30 minute call with each of them on completion to understand as much as possible about how the experience was and get that feedback from them directly on our marketing and our program. All right, Kev. And for those who don't know the B2B Incubator, it's actually our product. A lot of people don't even realize that we have one because we don't speak about it that much. The B2B Incubator, what is it? It's a program that's designed for B2B marketers who are in small teams who want their marketing to make more of an impact in their business. It helps them build a demand engine so customers come to them when they're ready to buy and not the competition. Over 12 weeks, we give marketers the strategy, the templates, and the tools to build and start implementing this B2B marketing strategy that leads to consistent growth and continues to compound over time. A lot of people, Kev, they call it demand generation. So the marketer that we're interviewing today, her name is Shahed, and she worked at a B2B SaaS company that was a commuting platform. She's the only in-house marketer there, and they needed a marketing strategy and a system that the team were on board with that she could consistently execute. 
Now, we've heard firsthand from Shahed and the leadership team there that they thought the program was a huge success and they're executing a lot of it as we speak. So that made her an awesome fit as someone to interview to try and get as many insights from as possible. So this week, we want you to listen to each of the questions that Kevin and I ask. And then at the end, we're going to tell you how we're using it to improve our marketing and product. I do want to clarify listeners and viewers that look, I am not a customer interviewing expert. There's definitely some points where I probably should have dug a little bit deeper in the interview, but I was conscious of time and I wanted to get as much out of it as possible. Yeah, listeners, if you have the luxury of being able to engage in an expert, we can definitely recommend some people for that. We've had people on the show for that exact purpose, but in the interest of running one-man bands in terms of the marketing team, like George and myself are, we have to do the best we can and we'll just have to pile on and improve over time with our interviewing skills as well. So don't let that daunt you. Take our example as if we can do it, you can too. But what we really want to show you and have you extract from the interview in this episode is can you get those big feedback points out of that conversation? For example, we were really looking for the biggest benefits to Shahed personally. We're hoping to understand the biggest benefits to the organization as well. And then we wanted to understand some of the outcomes and best features of the program. And we then wanted to understand how it helped her do her job better. What were the biggest pain points that she experienced prior to joining and why she ultimately decided to join. All of these things will obviously help us to improve the program as we currently have it. All right, listeners and viewers, with all that said, let's kick into the interview. What were you looking for when you signed up for the B2B incubator? If you can describe any pains that you and the business were feeling, that would be amazing. Absolutely. So when I joined the business, they definitely had a good idea of who their dream customers were. And they knew that the, like our business's product solved problems for different industries or niches. But it was really hard to put it all together. The business had tried marketing strategies that were fragmented. And as it's common for every like business that usually will just try out like ads and then we'll have a social media strategy and things like that. Like it's very common for every business to do this, but it's really not so common to kind of intentionalize all these strategies and make them intentional. I also came from like an entertainment heavy marketing background. And like I had experience working with brands and like brand activation, but not really B2B and SaaS and most specifically like transportation demand management. So I started like personally seeking out for support in my B2B marketing journey to help me support the business mission and goals in marketing. So I was looking at LinkedIn. I went on LinkedIn, typed in B2B marketing just to see what's going on. What are people talking about right now in real time? Who are the leaders that are popping up and getting all the comments and likes? And what are their thoughts on marketing right now? So I was kind of like getting information, seeking out like keywords. That's where I found out about like lead generation, demand generation. So all these like B2B marketing words were starting to pop up in my sphere. And I was like, okay, this is the kind of stuff I need to learn. I found you speaking on B2B marketing on LinkedIn. So I was like, okay, 
George is saying things that are really aligned with, so I'm going to follow him. So I followed you and I had you as a resource on LinkedIn. And then I went, there were like a couple other like B2B marketing resources outside of LinkedIn I looked at. But yeah, so when, when I saw that you were also posting about the B2B incubator in your posts, that was cool to see that like you had a thing to support marketers. I checked out the incubator. It was super aligned to what I wanted to learn. And I saw like the, the five B's and how there was like an intentional strategy from start to finish. And I thought that was like a super helpful way for me to structure what me and my business wanted to do for 2023. That's why I signed up for the B2B. What was it that made you go with the B2B incubator over these other alternatives? I felt like it was more now. I trusted it more. Like I felt like your information was current and then it was so personable. Like it was you, what you, the thing that you were offering, the product that you were offering was more personable. I felt like I could learn easier from you than if it was one of these courses that felt maybe more alienated. If I had questions, like, like I really loved the one-on-ones because I was able to ask you questions in real time and get feedback in real time. And that was super helpful. And then when I was stuck with a challenge, I had that in my mind that I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to George about this. So I really liked that personality. And then also I just felt like the information was more current and just like it was now it's like what people are doing now what marketers are doing now for you personally what have been the biggest benefits of going through the b2b incubator i think the structure i'm someone who like needs structure so i think you breaking down marketing in that way like even for someone who's been doing it for so long or has been doing it like not that long like I've been doing marketing for so long, but I haven't been doing B2B for so long. Like it was, I loved like restarting. Okay, forget everything you know. And like, here's the structure that you need to follow. I love that so much. So start from finished structure. And then the templates were super, again, it's also with the organization, having someone to provide me like the structure. And then I can plug and play from like, information I have and information I can act on was super helpful. Awesome. A lot of marketers we that go through the program when we speak to and just a lot of marketers in general often feel like they have some kind of imposter syndrome or don't fully have confidence in what they were doing. Was that something that you were experiencing at all? Absolutely. I think I think so because I definitely came into the role super confident. And then when things wouldn't work and then we pause them, I think there would be like a kind of like a snowball effect of, okay, I haven't seen personal results in so long in my role. So I must be doing something wrong. So I think to kind of restate, reset and do a, forget everything you know and do the structure is good for, peop for people who are struggling, but they have the information. They just need like a structure. And also the tools, like you in the templates, you, you would give examples of tools to use. So you would say, okay, here are like channels that you can do. And then you would put examples of the channels and why. And then for the podcast, for example, you would say for the B2B incubator, for the B2B podcast that we do, here are the tools we use and here's why. And you had that graphic of Riverside and Descript. And, and so that was for me helpful to note down, oh, I can use the Descript. So that also was like really good, like supportive tools. What are the benefits to the organization from going through this program? 
streamlining our marketing efforts, I would say, and like making it clear what marketing is doing for everybody on the team. And I think when I started the program, I had, we had a team meeting. We have weekly team meetings or every other week we have a team meeting with everybody, developers, and everyone says their part. And uh, I, I said that for 2023, we're breaking it down. We're breaking marketing in three parts for we're spending quarter one breaking down 2023's efforts. And this is going to, it's going to be in three parts. And I said, we have to be ready, be helpful, be seen. And then I did this like chart of what, how we, like our log line, like Commutify's log line from like when we first started to last year and next year's and saying, oh, like we're honing in on our why and like our messaging. And we're going to do all these like customer feedback interviews and we're going to just like really figure out where to put our content. Like I was summarizing the cohort, which is good visibility for them to see like what marketing is going to be doing in Q1. And then also like, like I was telling you, George, every week, every time we met that my boss would ask me a question and I would be going through it at, in the incubator. So I would be answering his question like in a really nice, structured, detailed way. So I think I was also like the incubator was like answering the questions at the right time. Yes, they would ask me about, okay, what's like, okay, we have our content now. Where are we going to place it? And I would be like, so we have two ways to be seen. And there's like ABM and there is at paid media. How has the B2B incubator impacted your marketing? I would say it really impacted my marketing strategy. Like I've, I'm really taking everything that I've learned and applying it to my marketing strategies because it just makes sense to me now. Like it just makes sense to me to structure it the way I learned, the way I, what I learned from the program. So yeah, I would say it's really, it really impacted it. And to a way that like, it's not just me trying to sell it to my team, like even my bosses and my supervisor and then like other people from like product, customer developer, like they're all impressed. They all like the structure that I'm coming in with. What level of marketer do you think that this is best suited to? I think all kinds of all levels because it's, I find it like a, it really reminds me of like when I went to university and I was a freshman and the first class I went to for my program, it was like a math class. It was every like student in first year. And it was for like television. I went to radio and television arts. And so we were all like obviously media like fans and thought we knew our stuff. Our professor really told us like, whatever you forget it. I think it's, that's how I felt with the program. I felt like a freshman and, but, in, but also in that regard of like, imposter syndrome clean slate so that's and I was telling you like oh I've been doing marketing for a while and then I'm also new to B2B so I feel like both sides benefited like the one that's done marketing for a while and the one that's like new to B2B yeah so I would say like even if I was an expert like I would say I'm a professional and not a freshman it was also beneficial for me Sorry to interrupt guys, but I need to let you know that our next cohort of the B2B Incubator is launching in February 2024. 
For those who don't know, the B2B Incubator is our no-fluff program that gives you the strategy, the templates, and the tools that you need to drive more revenue for your business, not just leads. It's built for small in-house marketing teams with limited time and budget. So if you're ready to act on all the advice that we give you and you want to start driving more revenue for your business, next time you sit down at your desk with a cup of coffee, remember to head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort. So apply now for our cohort launching in February 2024 so you don't miss out the b2b check it out all right back to the episode if you've gone through like other marketing programs or other resources how does this compare to them I would say it goes back to the personal aspect of it that would be missing And uh, maybe there would also, I feel like maybe there would be more information than I need to go through. So I feel like your program was structured in a way where it just gave you the information you needed. And sometimes like you'll get a course or like you'll buy a product and there's just way more things to sift through or like you'll get a lot of good valuable stuff, but not a good walkthrough. So I think you did a good job at walking through the program. How did you find our live sessions our live sessions were really fun they're great because i got to you're asking me about like how it's been and i would catch you up so it was nice to like every time that we caught up it was like there was progress and then it was nice to go through the exercises together and then expand on the exercises like you would we would go through on a page and then we would expand on one part of it and you would give me more, like we would just get talk about it more. And that I think is like more valuable than doing like a textbook exercise, like an exercise on piece of paper because like you were looking at it and then we were having a bigger conversation about like one thing that's on that one page from like the Canva template. And then I was also like editing with you And that was super helpful. Yeah, the one-on-ones were super helpful. Actually, like that was like the one that I wanted to do. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed them too. (laughs) What about the, I guess, the Canva template on the one side? So that overall strategy document, filling that out as you went, did you find that to be a useful part of the program? Yeah, absolutely. I love the Canva template. I love like watching the exercise on the B2B program dot com and then seeing you go through the exercise and i'm like okay now i like now i have now i went through that session and i'm like i'm amped to fill out my own like my own paid media channels or like social media channels and then i like that you made it customizable for the marketer like you made it so that it's like a report to give to the team so yeah they're super useful linking the sheets to the template is also super helpful Especially also with, if I was doing a report to my team, I'll be like, and then this is expanding. Here's the content scheduler and then go to the sheets from the template. So did you find those other templates helpful too? Like the ABM template, the Dream 100 template, that kind of stuff? Those templates were super helpful and they were like a crowd pleaser with the whole team. Like from the feedback interview questions, man, they gave me like gold stars for months. Like (laughs) people were so impressed because it really juiced out valuable information from customers that like, again, we like guessed in our heads or had ideas or 
felt or had intuition of like how things were going with their customers, but didn't really know and didn't even record our thoughts anywhere. And so no one really knew what to expect from these customer interviews. But when we were like asking these questions and they were just like saying so many like valuable things and like product feedback, the product feedback was where I was like, oh, this is going to be a crowd pleaser because I went back to my my CTO and the developers, the product team. And I like told them like, hey, the existing customers love our product so much. And by the way, here are like the things that they like want want improved on. And they'd be like, oh, this is like an easy thing to improve. Like word, we got it. And like our customer would be happy. And so they were happy to have that synchronicity. And the other templates, like also with the ABM and the social media, the, just all the templates. And then even the independent one that you gave me with, that you provided with like more marketing things that can support the B2B program strategy. That was super helpful. Like also a crowd pleaser with me and, the, and my supervisor. And then also because they do synchronize the team, like they do synchronize the product team and the CRM and the sales and then provide visibility to my CEO. He's such a numbers guy. So he loves that. One of the paid ad templates, the one that has all the revenue and ROI and things like that. So it's great visibility for him to see what marketing's doing. And yeah, so the templates are golden. They're super valuable. Awesome. Do you feel like the program has given you perhaps more clarity on how a content strategy fits into creating demand for your brand? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I feel like I've walked out with knowledge that I was that was absorbed so fun and casually that it's like water cooler talk. Like I sound so cool talking to my friends now. Like I'll just be like, my friend was talking about wanting to do a podcast. And then I was like, oh, yeah, so your podcast is your pillar content. And then you can do your blog to <laughs> repurpose. I swear. And they're like, oh, my God, I need to write this down. And uh, yeah, and I would be like, oh, you should use Riverside, things like that. So yeah, it's been like, it's made me sound so, so smart. So what were the best parts or the most useful features of the program? There's a bunch of best parts, like the templates for sure. They're really helped organize information and thoughts and structure. The videos, the walkthroughs of the cohort was a really good way to absorb the knowledge, the information, the as templates and like visually too, made it also fun, made it want, made me want to take part of the exercise. Cause if it was like a boring one, I'm sure I would have been like subconsciously unmotivated to want to do it or something. But I think I made that comment once or twice to you too. I was like, oh, I really like this template or something. <laughs> Thank you so much ahead. Again, it's been an absolute blast. I'm glad that it's worked out for you guys. And as I said, really looking forward to our three month catch up. Wow, Kev, that was a very complimentary interview, I have to say. I promise that we didn't solicit that. Shaheb was not paid to do it. In fact, she paid us to be part of the program, of course. So everything that she said were her own words. Very kind of her. She was a fantastic participant, and I'm glad that she got so much out of it. But we're not here to congratulate ourselves. We want to talk about now, Kev, the information that she shared with us and how we're actually going to use that information to further improve our own marketing for the B2B playbook, the B2B incubator, and actually improve the product itself too. 
that's it. I think the first one we can look at is how we use those insights to map the buying journey. So the first piece of insight that we got and that we could really start to utilize in our own product marketing is that we looked at her buying journey and we try to map the experience of new potential members of the course to that journey. So her journey in this particular case was looking for B2B marketing leaders. She found us on LinkedIn through that process of looking for B2B marketing leaders. She followed our posts, listened to a few podcast episodes, and then eventually saw the B2B incubator, which she then bought when she was ready. So knowing all that, first off, it's great to know that what we're doing is working. So that's exactly how we planned the different channels and we hope that it would have that impact and it's great to have that validation. So that's actually less of a self-congratulatory point, but more that it's a validation that what you've planned is working. It's a signal that what you have planned is in fact coming off and it's a good sign obviously to take forward. We're also trying to cover each of those touch points a bit better in the customer journey in the future. So we're making sure the touch points that she had touched on were still appearing in those touch points and we're trying to improve on increasing those touch points. Yeah, spot on, Kev. Uh, let's go back to the, not the good old days, the bad old days where we try and piece together this customer journey by just diving into Google Analytics. And I'd probably pull through like a, a page visitors report, whatever it's called in there. And I just wouldn't have be able to piece this together. You're trying to guess it. You're trying to pull some sort of funnel out of the metrics there. But my God, it was so easy to just ask her. And now I know that her initial touch point was like looking for B2B marketing leaders because she wanted to start learning from people. So she obviously had a problem at that point. She wasn't like problem unaware. She was problem aware because she's like, I need to get better at B2B marketing. I want a more holistic marketing approach. And it's awesome to know that she was looking for that on LinkedIn. And it's even better to know, Kev, that we were people who popped up as experts in that space. So tick there for us that we appeared in the right space. Then she followed our posts and she said that she actually saved a whole lot of our posts over time. She was following us for quite a while. So tick for relevance, I guess, for our content care. We know that it's truly helping our dream customers, especially if they're saving our posts. It's something that they want to follow on and act later. They listen to the podcast episodes. Oh, sorry, she listened to the podcast episode, which is fantastic. This is like a big effort for us. Of course, it's the main driver behind our content, but it takes time to create these podcasts. It takes time to edit them. So great to verify that's another important touch point in the journey. And then finally, she saw the B2B incubator. So we mapped her needs to our product. Um, so I suppose a tick there. I think it did take her a while to get awareness around the B2B incubator. And we have said that the B2B incubator isn't something that we speak about a lot. So that's probably something to improve on. Yes, lots of great insights there just from that simple understanding of the journey and what we can do to influence it from our side to make it better for our potential end users. The second great point, the second great thing that we could do with the insights that we gleaned was to update our positioning and unique value propositions. So April of Dunford defines positioning as how your product is a leader in delivering something that a well-defined set of customers really cares a lot about. And so for the B2B incubator, we really wanted to provide marketing managers the strategy, templates, and tools to generate demand, drive more revenue, and prepare the teams for scale. And Kev, that's how we had imagined that we should have positioned ourselves originally. Of course, you can refine your positioning and change it over time. 
What's really interesting, Kev, was Shahed in the customer interview, she actually compared us to other more formal education systems. I don't know if you remember, listeners, but she noted that she felt like a freshman starting over when she got into the program. So comparing it to like tertiary education, but she said that it differed from formal learning because we just gave her exactly what she needed. It wasn't like didn't go over a whole semester. There wasn't a whole lot of useless information. It was like, this is just what you need. Go and use it. But nevertheless, she did compare us to a tertiary education system. She also noted, Kev, that she really liked the support of the live sessions. Now, if we receive more feedback like this, Kev, where people start talking about us in terms of like more tertiary education system, maybe we can test positioning ourselves as an alternative to the formal marketing degree. The same way that Mark Ritson has with his mini MBA, which is like a more generalist marketing program for those who don't know. Ours, in contrast, is very action-based and very outcomes-focused. So at this stage, I am reluctant, Kev, to position ourselves as like a tertiary educator, but interesting nonetheless. Yeah, we agree with that, George. I think our listeners know we're very much practical advice focus. We're much more practical compared to some of the theoretical understandings that are espoused out there. And so I'd be also hesitant to move towards a mini MBA definition of our program. It's really more of a practical guide to how to get started and we're there to help you in that process. And really, we hope that as people get through the program, they're actually implementing all the things that we're talking about in the program in real time as we go through it or as close to real time as possible so they can get the maximum amount of learnings from the program so agree with you there george but it is definitely a really good insight and something that potentially we can start to talk to people about to help them better understand what the impact of our program could be yeah, look, it certainly wasn't like a major point of hers. I just thought it was an interesting thing to pick up on the language there. And perhaps if it was something that we started hearing again and again, maybe like we start to use the marketing degree as the enemy, the alternative enemy that shortchanged so many of our listeners, didn't give them what they needed to actually do their jobs well. So maybe we're not positioning ourselves as an educator, but we're just picking up on that language and then we're forming it into part of how we're positioning ourselves or at least into our own messaging. We mentioned unique value propositions too, Kev. That's something that we can start to pull out from these customer interviews. For those who don't know, unique value propositions, they're how you explain the benefits of your product. In other words, why would someone do business with you over your competitors? Now, Kev, you and I actually have a document where we list all the features and benefits of our product. And every time we do a customer interview, uh, I'm just jot down every time one of these is mentioned. For example, people mention the templates in the program. They mention how great it is to create the ideal customer profile through the program. They talk about the frameworks to help them lead as a manager. They talk about how it gives them the foundations for scaling content that sets you up for success. They talk about how it supports their paid acquisition strategy. They talk about how the group sessions really motivate the participants to get stuff done. The list goes on and on. And Kev, whenever we do these customer interviews, we actually go through and jot down against each of these, which one was most important to them. So over time, we can see, hey, of all the features and benefits that our program provides, which are the top three to five most important ones to our dream customers? And they're our unique value propositions. They're the ones that are unique to us. They're better than the competition and the ones that we want to work into our marketing messaging more and more. So these customer interviews are so valuable in giving us that information. Now for Shahed, 
I think she really mentioned the documentation of the program as well as the frameworks that you get and the ideal customer profile creation. She also really liked the templates. So they were the key sort of three or four things that really made this program a home run for her. And that's something that we probably want to emphasize in our message because Shahed is a dream customer of ours. Listeners, aside from the fact that you can get all these insights from these customer interactions, from these customer interviews, you're, you might already know that following along with the podcast, you might already know that might be done and be ready or be helpful to understand some of these points, but in be better, what we really want you to focus in on is, yes, you should be doing this after every single interview and you should have a process like we do in place, but it can be as simple as a big old list in Google Sheets or something like that, similar to what we have. As long as you have somewhere where you're recording this information, you can always tidy that up later. You can always improve that process later if the time warrants it, if the time to actually improve that process and the payoff that comes from that warrants it. But just make sure that you have that process in place and you make sure you're documenting that process somewhere, including listing down your USPs that you're getting from these customer interviews so that over time you actually have that data there for you to utilize when you get around to improving your process. That's it, Kev. And I promise that I'm actually documenting it. You can see it. It's a little messy. It's not perfect. I know it's not perfect, but we are documenting it and it is something that we can act on. And the more data we collect, the more that we can act on it. It's just about being better, isn't it, George? We're not saying you have to be perfect. Just be a little better every day and you quickly get to hitting your objectives. That's it. That's it. I'm just trying to be a little better, a little more organized for you, Kevin. Okay. Updating our messaging. That's something that you definitely want to do, especially if you've revised your positioning and or reconsidered perhaps the priority of your unique value propositions. I'm not sure that we really have after this interview, Kevin. I think we're pretty close to knowing already what Shaheb would get out of it, which is great because I think we already have that close alignment with our dream customers. But if we did want to reorder like the unique value propositions, we would then like really take that information and update that messaging on our B2B incubator landing page. If Shaheb told us that her pain points were like XYZ, and we had them listed as ABC, then we definitely want to update those to reflect that on the landing page. If our LinkedIn doesn't reflect our positioning, we definitely want to update that. My personal profile, your personal profile, the B2B playbook profile, we want to update all of that kind of stuff. If the main benefits that she got out of the B2B incubator weren't reflected on our LinkedIn posts when we talk about the B2B incubator, then we definitely need to rethink that. We need to really hit home those important key things that she got out of the program when we discuss the B2B incubator on LinkedIn. So make sure you take that information and you actually roll it out across your messaging on all your different platforms. Again, it's a process that you should consciously and actively work on. Obviously, in this case, it's one interview. So, you know, it's taking into consideration with the other interviews that we've done. And on balance, we haven't changed a lot recently off the back of this one particular interview. But certainly you can see how listeners and viewers, you can take those insights and you can apply it to your particular business to update your messaging. And I would encourage everyone to do that consciously because subconsciously, as we go through the analysis of these interviews, as we listen back on them, we will pick up on different things. And when George and I next look at the content calendar, we will start to automatically focus in more on the things that come up more. 
but that is very subconscious. That is maybe a little bit more hit and miss and on our gut feeling than we would like. And it's important to build a process around that as well. And that's what we're really talking about here. That's it. All about building a process. And Kev, as part of that, from the insights that Shahad gave us, we can actually start to use that information to try and improve the product. She had an awesome idea around having a community for alumni of the B2B incubator. So once you're actually done with the B2B incubator, can we have everyone in an alumni group where they discuss how they're continuing to implement it, this in their business? The feedback that we've got from a lot of participants is that this is not just a great program for them to use right now, but they feel like it's a framework that they want to use in their marketing careers from now on. So they'll still be using it in two, three, five, ten 10 years time. So having an alumni group could be a really great thing for these people to continue to engage in that. When she mentioned the alumni, Kev, rather than thinking about, oh, what platform should we host it on if we do this alumni program, I just straight up asked her, like, what platform is it that you hang out on most that would be really good for this? And she suggested a couple, which is really useful. Look, to be honest, Kev, we don't really have the resources to support a group like that. It's not enough, as we know from speaking to Katie Ray on that episode around community. It's not enough just to be able to create a place for people to get together. It's work. It's actually work maintaining that community, making sure that everyone's getting value from it, making sure that there's no nasties in it, and we just don't have the resources for it. But we've put that idea in our product development doc, and it's something that we'd love to do one day. That's it, and it's great to get those ideas from these conversations. Listen, so you can see that you can actually get a lot of your product ideas from these conversations. You don't need to go out there and reinvent the wheel. A lot of the times, the wider team the wider community who's engaging with your product will have these ideas for you. And it's helpful that they can give you some prioritization as well, depending on how many people are requesting different things. And of course, we also asked, how can we improve the program? Now, she was very kind and she didn't have too much for us here, just that she never really got the company invoice, which is <laughs> quite funny and maybe something we should work on getting better as a process. But Obviously, it's a great opportunity towards the end there for you to get that insight as well into how you can keep improving the program direct from the horse's mouth. Yeah, Kev, I'm going to portion 50-50 blame there between you and me. You're our process <laughs> guy, and I'm the one who probably should have done it. So 50-50 <laughs> blame there. Yeah, no, definitely something that we can improve in our internal processes there. But she was very kind indeed to point that one out for us. All right, listeners, key takeaways for this episode you need to regularly schedule these interviews with your customers and have a process for documenting and acting on the information you get from them. It's okay to refine and change your positioning and messaging over time as you learn more about why customers love your product or maybe why they don't. And the B2B incubator has helped marketers like you already. So what are you waiting for? Very good, Kev. Nice little plug there. Uh, full disclosure, listeners, I wrote those key takeaways. I just forced him <laughs> to do some promotion for us, which he would hate. Anyway, listeners, viewers, you can always find links to everything that we discussed in the show notes. And Kevin and I are so grateful that each week more and more marketers are tuning in every Monday morning by listening to the podcast and watching us on YouTube. And if we can ask just one thing, it would be to please leave us a short review or comment on whatever platform it is that you listen on. I will pass it on to someone who you think would really get value from the show. A huge help to whoever comes across it in the future. And we really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, Kev. A huge thanks to Shahed. Thank you, dear listeners. Catch you next week. 
Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Shahad. Thank you, George. And catch you all next week. A quick note before you go, listeners. You can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. 